Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. As local, provincial and federal authorities lift the restrictions imposed around the COVID-19 pandemic, businesses are starting to prepare to reopen. A recent Gallagher Poll survey of Canadian employers suggests that big numbers of companies may not be prepared to return to the workplace or indeed know where to begin the process. In fact, only 23% have developed a return to workplace strategy and nearly half, 47%, will continue their work from home policy weeks or months after the stay in place orders are lifted. In this HR chat interview, we're going to hear from Melanie Janot, President Canada at Gallagher Benefits Services Group, about how and when companies should safely return to the workplace. Melanie is responsible for expanding the division's capabilities throughout Canada. She focuses on developing the business in four key areas, organic growth, mergers and acquisition, productivity, and the Gallagher culture. And if you found this interview helpful, you can learn even more about Mel and the work done at Gallagher in HR Chat episode 121, which was recorded back in September 2019. Mel, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Boy, the world sure has changed a lot since we last chatted. It certainly has. It certainly has. And yet the wonderful work done at Gallagher continues. And we're going we're gonna to dive into some of that today. Firstly, tell us a bit about some of the, some of the key trends that you've identified in, in the recent Pulse survey. Sure. Well, we've been polling the marketplace monthly since uh, this pandemic hit uh, to gauge uh, what employers are doing in response and in support of their employee groups. And over the course of May and heading into June, a couple of, of trends uh, really started to uh, present themselves. Uh, and, and one is, though maybe not a surprise, uh, it's around uncertainty. And you referenced that in your introduction and in that though we may expect Expect employers to be much more prepared uh, as provinces head through phases one and two of reopening in Canada. The reality is that there's still very much a, a wait and see uh, approach emerging, uh, with really only about 43% of employers indicating that they have any firm plan, um, but rather that they're waiting to see uh, how different jurisdictions respond uh, and how they will need to respond accordingly. Uh, and, and so I think we will continue to monitor that in the coming months uh, to, to see what type of supports are needed as we continue to navigate these unusual times. From what you guys have seen, are, are we viewing employers and their responses to financial pressures in, in, in different ways? And are, are there new workplaces, environments um, which have changed, particularly in terms of total rewards programs? Yeah, we are starting to see that. Now, interestingly enough, when we talk about things like benefit programs, we really have not seen any material changes uh, to core programs. And uh, that's in in part due to some of the legislative uh, support that has been put in place as it relates to uh, temporary layoffs and retention of benefit programs as a consequence. Uh, But during the, the last Pulse survey, it did come to our attention that just over 20% of Canadian employers are making some sort of adjustments to their programs, but it's not so much as it specifically relates to those core traditional benefits uh, that we may think of, but rather uh, into a more evolved space. And and this is a a bit of a reflection on uh, the Canada versus U.S. uh, maturity of healthcare markets. 
uh, because we're seeing an accelerated addition of things like uh, telemedicine, uh, access to mental health programs. Uh, and as we have greater and greater concern about uh, the future uh, mental health of our employees, things like pharmacogenetics. So should we need to get quick support uh, medically to folks that we are able to do that efficiently and in a financially accessible way. So uh, what's happened is, is really uh, an acceleration of interest and adoption of what were deemed to be fairly new programs uh, in Canada. And so I think that's where some of the changes are starting to come from. Uh, when we talk about total rewards, Bill, uh, something that you haven't seen a lot of change on is as it relates to wage reductions. I think there, there was a presumed bigger impact uh, across Canada than the survey would indicate, uh, which is that you know around just over 20% or so of Canadian organizations did experience wage reductions and only about 9% have suspended retirement matches. Uh, we actually deferred our salary planning survey in Canada, uh, recognizing that most employers probably don't yet have uh, a firm handle on the go-forward plan as it relates to compensation uh, and what we might need to do to adjust as employers uh, going forward, especially in consideration of you know, a possible second wave uh, to uh, our COVID experience. So uh, again, a lot of uncertainty, but some interesting trends starting to emerge uh, a few months into uh, this pandemic. Okay, very interesting. So um, I think you were speaking there in terms of existing uh, compensation levels. A any indication from from leaders as as to uh, a potential reduction in in comp compensation for for new hires uh, over the next few months? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have any clear indicators yet as it relates to that. I, I think because again, um, many employers in Canada. Uh, did retain employees or, or have them returning to the workplace right now that uh, the focus is much more on that return to the workplace process uh, and that again as we better understand the longer term the midterm and longer term impact of COVID that we'll start to see uh, some more specific action as it relates to that and that's why again we've deferred that salary planning survey work until later in the year when employers can start to make uh, some of those forward-thinking decisions. We'll be right back after this message. So your business doesn't have a dedicated recruitment or HR professional, but every month you have HR and recruitment needs. What if these professionals were at your fingertips on an as-needed, when-needed basis? You know, kind of like a tap you can turn off and on. At High Road Human Capital, that's who we are and that's what we do. So if your company has gotten to the point where HR policies are needed or you're completely put off by the high price of staffing firms, or maybe there's hundreds, maybe thousands of unread resumes stacked up in your inbox, let us take all that pain away and only charge you for the time it takes us. You'll be billed according to our unique activity-based pricing model. You'll know where every penny was spent, no exceptions, no ambiguity. And your return on investment, so strong it's going to jump off the page and smack you. So to find out more, find us at highroadhr.ca or call us at 416-453-7023.
Yeah, it's so here we are. We're, we're recording this interview in June. Uh, we're we're a good three months into the crisis, and 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 still it seems, Mel, that um, that there's there are more questions than answers. Um, and but it's important to try and fill in the gaps as much as possible, of course. Um, so continuing on, on along those lines, what, were there any indications of, of what the future of work might look like uh, as employees initiate a return to the workplace plans? Well, building upon uh, your introductory comments, Bill, around you know, maybe a quarter of Canadian employers having a, a definitive plan around return to work. Uh, employers, whether specifically or anecdotally, um, in the 57% range, plan to bring their workforces back on a reduced basis uh, in the coming months. Uh, and what's interesting about that is the connection that we're starting to be able to make to retention of policies around working from home and flexible scheduling, um, many of which may not have worked or not have existed, pardon me, uh, prior to COVID or, or have been as robust as they are today. And there's a lot of intention uh, to maintaining those policies in the long term. So we're bringing reduced workforces back. We have intention around retaining policy uh, around remote work, uh, which again really starts to reinforce the fact that uh, we've demonstrated uh, in, in many cases that work from home can be efficient, effective, and productive, uh, and that employers are more and more uh, able and willing to adopt that for the long term. So uh, I think the survey data is starting to make the connection between uh, the return to the workplace actions and intention in the long term around uh, that remote workforce. Yeah, it, it's just incredible. So I've been doing a lot of interviews, as you can imagine, on on remote working and and what the future of uh, remote working will will mean. And 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 current projections, from what I can understand from from various different interviews that I've done, um, it means an increase of around four percent of the the working population to around eight percent will be remote workers on on the go forward after the crisis. And that, that and that's a huge jump. Um, let's talk a bit about wellbeing. What wellbeing has been been the topic of discussion for employers for many years, but how, how does the survey results demonstrate specific well-being actions being taken by by organizations? I think, Bill, you and I might have even been talking about well-being when we last connected, and it's a conversation that we've been having with employers and, frankly, ourselves as an employer uh, for quite a few years. And I, I think one of the struggles has been how do we articulate uh, a well-being strategy, or how do we understand our current state in order to build upon it? And it's never been a, more important to be able to do that than it is now. And the survey really reinforced that with 37% of employers uh, planning to introduce new resources and tools to help manage their overall, overall well-being, um, but also a, a similar number uh, really focused on additional emotional well-being support. And what we've realized at Gallagher is that it, it really is our job to help employers navigate their current state and then build upon it with the right tools, resources at the right time. And uh, for the first time in these last few months, we've really been able to do that through a well-being uh, assessment tool, uh, which allows employers to get at here's what we're doing well and here's also what we prioritize and how do those things connect in order to be able to drive to a roadmap. So if we have intention around additional spending and investment, which the survey is telling us we do, how do we uh, get more specific about perhaps investments in the benefit program and expansion of psychology coverage, 
uh, introducing uh, telehealth apps that are mental health focused, uh, really supporting our managers in training around emotional well-being, uh, resiliency, or, or perhaps even diversity and inclusion. So I, I think marrying intention with actionable uh, benchmarking process uh, in order to drive that roadmap is going to be really useful in employers now and as they plan into the future, recognizing these aren't just challenges we face today, but ones that will linger with us uh, into the future. Certainly some some challenges that we are facing today or, uh, or soon to be challenges are, are, are those that are associated with protecting employees and, and, and ensuring that um, they are protected as much as possible from not catching COVID-19 as, as they re-enter physical offices and, and work with colleagues again. How, how can leaders and HR pros develop a, a plan that dictates clear, realistic and meaningful guidance mail of site-specific protocols and procedures that will mm -hmm. protect their employees? What is the advice coming from Gallagher? Yes, it's a great question and, and one that uh, we spend a great deal of time addressing. And, and that's why, though, we focused a lot of time and energy on uh, a return to workplace guide and, and really uh, drilling down to some specific steps uh, as it relates to returning to the workplace. We drilled it down um, to five key areas uh, for employers uh, to focus on. Of course, the first being determining whether uh, they're eligible to reopen and, and whether they can remain open. Um, the, the second being one that many employers are in right now, which is implementing employee policies and procedures uh, by role and function, uh, making sure that we're addressing key safety actions and uh, that we're not only able to uh, to create uh, the, a safe environment, but how are we actually going to execute and reinforce that uh, day to day? Um, and, and then, you know, num numerous steps to follow. But the point being, I think, is that it's a, it has a large scope uh, in terms of planning and that the message, I think, for employers is that they shouldn't feel they need to face that alone, that there's, uh, there are partners uh, within their key consulting stakeholders uh, that can come uh, to the table and, and really help them bring a holistic plan and not to uh, feel like they need to go at that alone because these are unusual times and the more expertise we can bring in from various specialty areas uh, uh, in, let's say, uh, even our commercial uh, insurance space where we need to adjust based on new return to the workplace provisions um, all these different specialties are going to be important to consider uh, as we build out that return to the workplace plan. And so um, it's work that we uh, gather many of our colleagues across various practice areas uh, to to support our, our clients uh, and the marketing. In, in just a moment, I'm, I'm going to pick your brains a bit about uh, more of a comparison between the, the U.S. and Canada. And you did touch upon that a little bit earlier but before we do that I'd, I'd just like to talk to you a bit more about the protocols and the procedures and in terms of are the are the requirements are they differing across provinces um and if so are you able to highlight any any stark contrast between between any of those yeah it's a great question and one certainly that is uh the answer is changing sometimes hour to hour and day to day and uh, I know we ourselves were struggling with how do we wrap our arms around what's happening across all the different jurisdictions in Canada and, of course, being global around the world. 
Uh, and we settled on a, a peak infection analysis tool bill uh, that allows us uh, in fairly real time to track between the different provinces uh, really what the circumstances are uh, as it relates to uh, COVID activity um, and tracking also in tandem with that uh, where we're at from a, a phase reopening perspective so that employers can take a holistic look, particularly when they operate on a national basis um, and plan uh, based on those differences. I think um, you know, what we're experiencing in Western Canada relative to Eastern Canada uh, has looked different uh, from a both a incidence and a, a duration of uh, this phase one of COVID. Uh, and so you're seeing different degrees of opening and, and consequently uh, different response times and circumstances for employers across the country. So all of that to say uh, that keeping a, a mindful eye on changes within a province and recognizing that that can change daily uh, is important for employers, uh, and we created the peak infection analysis tool uh, in order to help uh, manage that large amount of information that's coming at folks uh, each and every day. Thank you. And and now let's let's widen that scope again to um, to a big portion of North America and, and, and look at Canada and, and the U.S. How do the Pulse survey results in Canada relate to those in in, in America? Are, are there any learnings that we can garner in, in terms of looking at the, the responses altogether? Yeah, we, we definitely try to uh, learn from uh, our colleagues in the U.S. experience. And as it relates to the, this last Pulse survey, uh, right off the top, it was clear that many U.S. employers are further down the path uh, than we are in Canada. And uh, that's, uh, for on one case, uh, due to some jurisdictions opening up sooner uh, than we have in Canada, but uh, also... Uh, I think um, the fact that there's a lot of uh, complex considerations for U.S. employers that we may not have from a healthcare perspective uh, in Canada. And so uh, they have certainly invested a little quicker and been uh, faster to commit to, to plans. Um, what's interesting also is when we talked earlier, Bill, about changes to benefit programs, we just haven't seen that the same level of intent in the U.S. as we have in Canada. And that's really a function of the maturity of that healthcare space uh, in the U.S. where things like telemedicine or telehealth investment in well-being um, has occurred uh, where it was just emerging here in Canada and as a consequence of COVID uh, now accelerated. So those are a few things that uh, we've been keeping our eye on as, as well as uh, the commitment in the U.S. around uh, that remote work. Um, and we're seeing just a, a little bit of an edging ahead of Canada of a commitment to long-term retention of things like uh, work from home policies and flex scheduling. So we'll be watching that closely as we continue uh, to test the market. Okay, thank you. So um, a big part of today's interview has been focused on uh, the, the how of getting people back into um, offices together, working together. Um, but I'd love to hear from you now as as uh, someone who's built your your own business successfully with your sister, I think, from, from an interview I watched with you once. Um, and, and, and of course, the, the leader of, um, of uh, Gallagher in, in Canada now. Why, why not just allow employees to work from home for the remainder of 2020? What, what are the benefits to a business, I mean, such as its culture or the bottom line, to, to having people work together in, in physical locations? And, and maybe don't, don't the risks to health 
and and potentially the lawsuits outweigh any any benefits to bringing people back together in, in physical workplaces? Yeah, it, it's definitely something that leaders globally uh, are grappling with, Bill. And uh, I'll, I'll share just a bit of my own philosophy as it relates to this and, and some of the work that we're doing with our teams across Canada. And, and part of that is meeting our team where they are. And uh, by reopening, I don't think, and I think the, the data of the survey reinforces this, that it's a statement of everyone needs to return to the workplace, but rather a recognition of the fact that we're going to have a variety of streams of, in, of employees going forward. I think we're going to have folks who are most productive and engaged when they are in the workplace. And they, those folks I know certainly even within our own organization are anxious to get back uh, to the office. We have folks who might want to come back but don't have the infrastructure yet uh, to be able to come back in support of their families. Some who are thriving uh, in a remote workplace capability, and I, I think particularly of our operations where people have pretty substantial commutes uh, that they're no longer dealing with and have redirected that time back both to work and to family. And, and lastly, we've got folks that don't yet feel safe uh, returning to the workplace. And so recognizing that, that yes, uh, there are benefits certainly in having uh, in-person engagement and no question, uh, we're anxious to see our clients ourselves, but uh, I think we need to manage that relative to uh, the realities of what's going to allow us uh, to continue to thrive in this new environment. So um, do the risks outweigh the benefits? I, I think we need to put that in the context of the spectrum uh, of uh, folks' perspective on that return to workplace in, in the coming months and in the, the coming year. Okay, thank you. And one last question for you for today, Mel, and that's uh, how, how can our listeners connect with you? How, how can they get a copy? This is all one question, I promise. Uh, how can they get a copy of the, the Gallagher Return to Workplace Guide for Canadian Employers? Um, and generally, how can they learn more about Gallagher Benefit Service Group? Sure, they, they can visit us at ajgcanada.com. And as soon as they log in, um, you're going to see an opportunity to visit our Pandemic Resource Center and also opportunity to explore uh, the, the different range of, of supports uh, that Gallagher can bring uh, to folks in the Canadian marketplace and beyond. Uh, and we look forward to uh, sharing both that and, and some of the additional survey work uh, that we're continuing to do throughout the year. So thank you for the opportunity to share that, Bill. And that just leaves me to say for today, Mel, thank you very much for returning to the HR Chat Show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Appreciate the, the chance to chat again, Bill. And listeners, until next time, stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.